Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have two very special guests. They come to us from Europe. Their names are Maria West and Jurgen Snorin. And they just published a book July 17th, 2021. Title of the book is Lost in the Jungle, The Mysterious Disappearance of Two Dutch Girls in the Panamanian Jungle. And the names of the girls were Chris Kremers and Lizanne Froon. And I remember the story back in 2014 uh, it was all over the news here in the States, but obviously from where they're from, but in the Netherlands, it was big news when they disappeared in Panama. And this book really brought a lot of the facts and information uh, easily accessible. Really a great book, really great true crime book, and i um, delighted to have them here. So Maria and Jurgen, are you there? Yes. Here. Awesome. Well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. Can you guys and uh, talk about the background of this case and what got you interested in the subject of these two girls who disappeared in the Panamanian jungle? Shall I start, Jürgen? Because <laughs> we're, we're on different loca locations. Right. Um, I guess uh, back in 2016, uh, the Daily Beast had an article about this case and uh, it struck both of us that uh, these two girls uh, were in the jungle for days and days and days after the disappearance. Um, we're both also fictional writers, so uh, fiction writers. So uh, we couldn't imagine how one would feel when you're 21, 22, and you're there in this cold, dark jungle. It's 12 degrees uh, uh, Celsius uh, at the most uh, in the middle of the night. So, um, so that's sort of sticked to us. The, the, the whole idea. We never did anything with it, and then three years later. Um, the Daily Beast came with another article and uh, based on the same facts as the article three years earlier, they now said that they weren't lost, but there was a crime involved. And this, I think, was the starting point for us, wasn't it, Jürgen? Yeah, the, the, the first thing was that the, the very dramatic image of two, two girls sort of dying in the jungle while very close by uh, sort of the search parties were, were going. And I remember talking about it on the phone with with Maya, saying that would be a, a, a you know a great angle for a, for a book, just at that one moment that they probably would have heard uh, search parties going by and not able uh, to reach them. Right. And can you talk about the the background of the case, who the two girls were, where they were from, how they made it to Panama? It was kind of in a rural part of Panama, is my understanding. But can you give the audience some background about the case? One of you? Yes. Um, both girls lived in the Netherlands in a, in a, in a city called Amersfoort. And they had a, a, a free year. The, the study, they just were uh, finished their first study, were going ahead with the second one. And they decided to go to Panama for six weeks, two weeks on holidays, and four weeks doing voluntary work in some uh, childcare uh, organization, or some childcare organization. And um, it, their, their first idea wasn't Panama. They were first planning to go to Costa Rica. But something went wrong with all the bookings and, and uh, there wasn't any voluntary work available there. So they decided to go to Panama. And I remember the father of Lisanne Frone, this is how you pronounce her name, uh, saying on television that, that he was first delighted that he, his child wouldn't go to Costa Rica because he was very afraid. And then a couple of weeks later, she said, well, Dad, we go to 
America, but now it's Panama. And uh, th this, this for him was devastating. And um, so these girls went to Panama. They, they, they first went to Bocas del Toro, which is a sort of island group uh, at uh, the northern part of Cam uh, Panama, near Costa Rica. It's party island there. It's, it's Bounty Island. It's all palm trees and, and parties. They had a great time for over two weeks. And then they went to uh, Boquete. And Boquete is, is a really small town, rural town, uh, somewhere in the, in the, in the, yeah, near the jungle. It's not in the jungle, it's near the jungle. Straight behind Boquete is a very great national park. And this is completely jungle. And, and, uh, and so they were there just four weeks to do voluntary work. And now I'll leave it to Jurgen. Yeah, they uh, went out to do voluntary work, but after a few days, they uh, they heard that um, the school they were supposed to work at didn't have any room for them, and so they they had to wait another week while the organization uh, was trying to uh, to hustle up a new uh, a new position for them. So they had a week to kill, um, and um, they decided to fill that time with the stuff you do in in that in that village, which is uh, uh, walking mainly. Uh, you, you can raft there. There's there's there's, there's a lot of nature, and they, one day they decided to uh, to to go for a walk, to take a hike. Um, and then they disappeared. And that was it. That was on like I think it was March 30th or April 1st. They disappeared from Boquete, which is kind of a rural part. I would say northwestern Panama, closer to the Costa Rican border, um, and. Yeah, it's it's in the, it's basically in the uh, right in the middle, uh, close to the Costa Rican border. It's it's between the two, uh, right in the middle of the two coastal regions, between Bocas del Toro, which, which is a big city, and uh, uh, David of David, which is a big city, and basically it's the it's the, uh, li quite literally the, in the middle of nowhere. Right, so it's kind of rural. It's known for backpackers. It has a small expat community from all over the world. So they disappear. What happens next? They, um, the voluntary where we, I, I start a little bit um, close. To, they they came into uh, came to Bequette to in 29 of March, I think. Yeah, March 29, and uh, this was on a weekend. They first had a weekend off, and then they would start this voluntary work on Monday. But uh, something didn't. Uh, uh, something went wrong again. Booking this voluntary work that wasn't their pro their fault. It wasn't their. Just something went wrong, and uh, so that Monday they heard that there weren't, um, uh, they couldn't start. They wouldn't start for over a week. So they had some, they had time off, and they didn't know what to do. And both girls, uh, they, they, you know, Bocas del Toro was party, Boqueta that that's really um, outdoor, that that's a completely different world. So both girls uh, were settling in, and they said, okay. You know what? Uh, we make it a great weekend anyway. So uh, let's seek some some things to do, like walking, hiking, uh, some uh, excursions and stuff like that. And on April first, they decide to walk this Pianista Trail, which is a, it's a pretty uh, it's a nice trail. It's it's uh, you go up to an uh, to a certain point and you turn around. So um, they went up this uh, the, uh, this trail. They went up to this point. We call it the Mirador in the book because it, it hasn't got a name, and we need to give the name anyway. So uh, they went up to this uh, point, and uh, especially that day, it was very nice weather. It was, it was the start of the raining season, but uh, that day it was completely dry uh, in Panama. 
Right, and they they were um, left very early, right? Kind of no. eleven o'clock in the morning. Is that correct, or that was, is yeah, that? What... Yeah, around eleven o'clock. They left around eleven o'clock in the morning. A bit before, I think it was quarter to eleven. They left, and at the last, I call the GSM poll that picked up their signal was eleven o four, and this was near the the, the place where the, the the high stars. Right. So there was a dis like they just kind of disappeared. People assumed they went for a hike and that created kind of like a like within an, a day, nobody knew where they were. Right. So they pretty much disappeared. And some people suspected foul play. Right. Yeah. They, they basically, basically, people suspected they were they, they um, uh, gone to the Pianista Trail because they had talked about it. Uh, fact is, that didn't tell anybody. Um, what they're planning to do that morning, and we figured that uh, you know going to the pianista was sort of a, a, a last-minute decision. You know, while having breakfast, what what are we going to do today? Well, we could go to the pianista. There was a waiter, supposedly saw them, talked to them that uh, that same morning, um, and and they told him um, we are going for a hike. Um, so very much a spontaneous thing, uh, which meant that for the first first few days, uh, the search the search parties went all over the place because they weren't exactly sure where they went. And how did their disappearance uh, play out back in the Netherlands? I think it was in the news in the Netherlands by April the 3rd or 4th, I guess it was. Uh, you know, people, uh, especially people over a certain age, over 21, they are allowed to be uh, missing for 48 hours before police are doing anything. That's here in the Netherlands, the same thing. It's in Panama, I guess it's in the, U in the USA as well. But I think it, we heard about 4 April, the news came on that two girls were missing in Panama. And uh, of course, um, um, I think at that very first beginning, everybody thought, well, they're going to be fine, found. It's, it's okay, it's a big jungle, but there were a lot of search parties there. There was a lot of, of, of uh, everything. Everyone was looking for those two girls. So I guess in the beginning, everybody really thought that they would be found somewhere, maybe in a couple of days, uh, dried uh, or, or not, or hungry or uh, sick. But anyway, they would be found. Right. So they really kind of just disappeared. And I remember the story here in the U.S., at least the stories that I read right around that time, 2014, was suspected that, you know, there was foul play or something was going on. So people were looking for suspicious characters in that area of Boquete. Or, um, and so how did how did this search develop? after kind of the first couple of days? Well, they, they basically searched everything. Um, um, they, they, they did search a lot of areas around the Pianista, but also the, the more popular uh, tourist hotspots, just to exclude you know, the, the, the possibility that they'd been there. Um, but they basically searched uh, the Pianista Trail from, um, from the start right up to the coast in uh, Bocas del Toro, they searched Bocas del Toro, every address that they've been, uh, that they were, uh, and found nothing, not a sign, not, 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 no discarded clothing, um, very conflicting witness statements. Uh, so basically after, uh, after a few weeks, um, they, were, they were at a loss. Right, so they just pretty much disappeared, and then um, <clears throat> certain items and things started to be found, is that correct? Yeah, but that took two months. They um, th those those first days. Uh, I remember that at April the fourth, uh, when the search parties would really 
go off, there was this big storm in the area. So search parties uh, stopped again. And it wasn't until April the 6th when the, all this, this searching would really start. It took two months, the, the two months time, nothing, nothing was found, not a clue, nothing. And in two months uh, later, it was 11th of June, uh, this indigenous uh, woman named uh, Irma, she was uh, at a, a, a river. Uh, it's called the Shanginola. It's a very, very great big river there. She was at the river uh, near some rice fields. And these rice fields, they're they really in the middle of the jungle. Nobody's living there. If you're, uh, uh, you, it needs a four-hour walk for us Europeans to go there from this indigenous town until uh, before you are at the rice fields. So this was in the middle of nowhere. And she saw uh, Lisan's backpack. At, at least she saw a backpack. She didn't know it was Lisan's, but she heard about the Dutch woman missing. Of course, she saw the search parties in her uh, the area where she lived and she uh, so she took the backpack and she uh, brought it to her husband who was also nearby but it was six o'clock in the in the afternoon and at 6 30 sun goes down in that area uh, so they decided to stay uh, the night at the rice field they would stay anyway but they decided to stay with the backpack and they went up to back to the village uh, the next day right so they have this backpack and what's in the backpack well, they just opened it at the village, uh, and this is this at this point they knew it was Lisam Frown's backpack because there was this little uh, social not a social security card. It was um, how you say this uh, healthcare card in it, and it says her name. There were two bras found in the backpack. There uh, were there both their uh, telephone, mobile phones were there. There was a camera there. Uh, there was uh, money there, quite a bit of money for uh, those people. It was about eighty six dollars or something. And um, but these were the main things found in the backpack, and they were all um, so. And it, it kind of increased the mystery because it was very far away from people where people expected, if they were in the back, to be found. But also, people went through the photos, and there were some suspicions about the photos and, and curiosities about the photos, right? Yeah, the. Uh, um... The mystery was all about the night, the nighttime pictures, as they uh, uh, as they were called, which were about a hundred, uh, pretty much dark pictures. And only later, when they were enhanced, uh, could you see that they weren't black, in fact, but they were taken somewhere deep in the jungle in the middle of the night. You could see some trees, some rocks, um, and those were taken uh, April eighth in the morning of April eighth while the last daytime photo found on the camera was um, on the April the 1st. So people immediately started wondering what happened in the meantime, why didn't they take any pictures between the 1st and the 8th? Um, so conclusions about this has to be some kind of a uh, crime uh, were pretty much instantaneous. Right, like a, they were abducted, like this strange event. And also at the same time, there's this kind of uh, internet crime sleuths, uh, web sleuths, and you had a couple uh, kind of independent researchers in Germany and the Netherlands. Also kind of this, these photographs got leaked, right? So they were people were analyzing this online. Is that correct? Yes, the leak, they're not all leaked. Some of them are leaked. And uh, but you, you're right. Everybody was analyzing those pictures, uh, seeing everything in it and nothing uh, at the same time. Uh, and those pictures are haunting because they're not all uh, pitch black. Some of them you see uh, like a little string of hair. Uh, some as one picture you see uh, hair and uh, it, it looks like a red, 
red hair. So and uh, Chris was a red hair. And uh, there are also some pictures. Uh, one picture with a with a, a branch on a rock, and there are two red things tied to it. Uh, and, and there was another picture uh, which was uh, analyzed by uh, the Daily Beast, and they said there was toilet paper on it and, and uh, some other stuff like the the you know like a, like a Pringle bus. You could, if you tear, if you make it, you you tear down a Pringle bus, you leave, you cut this little I say this uh, round. Thing you leave with this little round thing and this is right, right yeah. yeah so so there were a lot of strange pictures uh as well made that nighttime but you know what it was it, it's really dark there it's not like everywhere else it's there's no uh, light there's no houses there's no uh plants there's nothing so it was really dark pitch dark there so, right so it just increased the mystery like you're right the haunting is the really the right term because yes. it's very creepy and I think it just created this whole other thing that there and there's rumors of people of a low character that might have abducted them or done horrible things, right? Yeah, we 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 sort of traced the the the, the beginning of those um, murder abduction rumors to uh, to the photo of Chris's hair that, that that was shown on the Dutch television show uh, in the early phases of the uh, of the research. Um, but part of the photo that they showed was covered up. And somebody online just said they covered it up because there was blood there and the family uh, didn't want to sh have it shown on TV, uh, which was a rumor that Jeremy Crit in his uh, television articles later echoed. Um, so this whole thing about there's a photo in there which shows Chris with blood on her, in her hair became sort of the basis for all those conspiracy theories. Right. Of course, when we later saw the originals, there was no blood to be seen anywhere. <clears throat> and so Jeremy Critt was the one who wrote the two articles, the one who said they were missing and then one that there was foul play, uh, Daily Beast. And so what kind of, how did the story unfold from there? Well, it's, it, you know, the, the story uh, in the Netherlands sort of didn't unfold. It, it unfolded in the web sleuth community, but not uh, in the newspapers. Those girls were found. Um, there were a couple of search parties uh, initialized from the Netherlands uh, with dogs and, uh, and on. And uh, in the end, um, also the parents said, okay, girls were lost. But still, one of the parents uh, wasn't, wasn't very sure. And I can imagine that. I mean, if you lose your 21-year-old daughter in such a circumstances, and yet there's nothing you gain back for her, there's nothing, there's not, not you know, you, you can't close this. I guess I would have thought also what happened, what happened, where's my child? And I couldn't, I would, would have, couldn't believe also that they were simply lost. Right. So it sort of developed in, in the web sleuth uh, uh, community. And, and there were some really, really strange things going on. We spoke to people uh, um, also here in the Netherlands. Uh, one guy who said, my father is involved, a Dutch guy living in, Boqueta. And um, he had a, 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 a great story, great. he had a, a story about this, uh, telling us his father had done it. But still, they couldn't find anything there. There was a police was uh, in his house, they couldn't find anything there. Right. And even even uh, there were issues and, and complaints about police activities, like they didn't secure their room, there were fingerprints on the backpack, there were, there were some 
issues about police procedure, correct? Yeah, that was that was the uh, that's the usual complaint about in in, the, in these con conspiracy theories, of course, that uh, it's it's the fault of the police. It's true that it's true that uh, if you look at the uh, investigation in detail, then um, it isn't the most uh, comprehensive research they could have done. Uh, on the other hand, you know, backpackers routinely disappear for a few days and turn up again. So in those first first few days after the disappearance, they sort of um, uh, treated it like a disappearance, not like a crime, which meant that the uh, crime scene uh, wasn't secured until uh, a few days later um, when they decided that uh, this wasn't just a routine disappearance of a few backpackers going partying. Um, Right, so all of their stuff, both Lizanne and Chris's, all their belongings, passports, were back where they were staying, right? So they had, it's almost like they they weren't expected like they were leaving the country or something, right? No, no, nothing. It, all, it was all there. The beds were unmade, all the clothes were there, the shoes, there, there, all their makeup, everything was there. And, um, and also um, th their telephones were only 50% battery, so they even didn't even load their telephones. They were... Everything showed that they were just going for a hike and nothing more. Right. So then what happens next? I mean, there uh, there's dogs that are brought out, right? So the parents are bringing, uh, I think, private investigators, if I remember correctly. How does it how does the story develop kind of after after kind of the early April times? In um, well, after uh, I think it was the April 14th, the. Um, the uh, official search was concluded and things were turned over to the police. So it became a police investigation. And they kept on searching with um, um, with the police, supported by the Border Patrol, the Sea Patrol, the Air Patrol. I mean, they really uh, tried their best, I have to say. But, um, you know, after a while, they didn't find anything. So all the, uh, the searches uh, petered out until uh, um, in August they started of in June they started finding um, the first remains that triggered yeah. another, another bout of searches and then the parents came in again because they felt that uh, not enough was being done so um, um, they um, brought in doctor dog teams from the Netherlands to help them uh, search for a second time but apart from the backpack and a few uh, bone remains uh nothing was found after that so about december january uh 2014 2015 the case was basically closed uh, and the parents had to admit that um there wasn't much to do anymore can you explain what remains were found how they were found and what remains were not found right so there was some things that should have been found well, you know, the, um, what was found uh, beside of the rocks, but, uh, what was found is the foot of Lisanne, uh, and in it were, uh, uh, there were the shoe of Lisanne, and in it were foot. Uh, later on, uh, parts of her legs were, were found, and then eventually her whole leg was found, but in parts. And what was found from uh, Chris was a, a half of her pelvis and a small piece of rib. And that was all. Right. So it wasn't very much at all. People shed, said they should have found skulls or large parts of their rib cage. So very that's even more mysterious. And there's even it makes more speculation when they said that I think it was Chris's pelvis had been treated with some type of caustic 
substance, right? Yeah, some kind of bleach. Yeah. And so, I mean, so people are, it's even greater mis mystery of what's going on. I mean, would you say that at that time in 2014, that the majority of people thought that there was foul play or was it just an accident? How would uh, you describe it? I, th I think after the remains in the back, after the backpack was found, especially after the photos leaked out, I think that pretty much 90% of the people, except maybe the police in the, in the, uh, in Bocchetti and uh, the Dutch police, thought it was a, uh, a homicide. Um, although most of the facts that they um, came up with were actually not <clears throat> not true and uh, either in invented or just false theories, like the whole thing with the bleach on uh, Chris's pelvis, uh, which, uh, which which was a rumor based on a faulty reading of parts of the uh, autopsy report, uh, which uh, stated as a possibility of the uh, because the pelvis would have, was a bit wider uh, than you should have um, expected. One of the possibility could have been bleach or sunshine. So uh, people turned that into, so bleach was used, so the phosphates were discovered, which wasn't true at all. Um, and the other thing about the finding the bones, uh, people made a lot of fuss about um, so little of the uh, bones being found. But if you ever seen the river at full swing in the middle of the rain season, then it's a it's a bloody miracle that any any bones were found at all. Um, because if you find if you fall in the river when it's uh, the rain season, you you grind it to pieces. Right, it, and it's like that anywhere. And that area was full of small streams and, and flash floods and things like that, right? Yeah, and rocks and uh, waterfalls and uh, and whatnot. So um, they found a few remains, sort of um, by chance. On the edge of the river, and you know, if they if they uh, um, had, it was purely by chance. I mean, um, one of our one of the patho pathologists, we forensic pathologists we spoke to, said it's a bloody miracle they find any uh, they found anything at all. Right. And um, do you think that kind of like the internet sleuths or the web sleuths? Do you think that they kind of impeded the investigation by all of their hypothesizing, like there was a photo missing? photo zero five zero was missing or something and misinterpreting information. Would you think that added to kind of the hysteria? I kind of got that impression. Well, it, uh, what it adds is that um, this was very, very painful for uh, the parents and for the friends of those girls. Because these, um, these things were going around on the internet, but not only that, parents uh, from the girls, friends of the uh, girls, police, they all received emails uh, from people saying, uh, I knew who did it, I knew what happened, uh, this is what's going on, you've been lied to, this is not true, that's not true. So it was very painful for a lot of people, but I guess that we, now knowing Betsy the Pity, uh, she uh, kept straight, she kept her back straight, and she just did her thing, and of course she knew what was going on, she knew it was said, and she knew that there were also in Boquette a lot of uh, private investigators, uh, uh, well, making their own... Uh, um, I said it's making their own uh, stuff, stuff and doing right. their own research, but but still, you know, she kept her, her her back straight and she just did what she needed to do. Right, and so she's also credited in this book, right? That Zeta P.T. Sarud, and uh, so, but there were also there were just so many. Like there was a guy who said he knew who did it and kind of intimidated people, and this is a secret. So there was just so much kind of 
over dramatic things taking place. And I think that actually happens in a lot of true crime stories or a lot of mis mysteries where meddlers kind of uh, just kind of stir up things and and create a bunch of drama that doesn't need to be there. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, you know, what it certainly did was it, it was it, it added extra pressure on uh, on 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 Bethsaida Pitti because, you know, for for an area which is uh, which relies on tourism rather heavily um, and in a country that was was trying to rebuild itself for the last 20, 30 years, it's it's uh, it, it caused a sort of an unwelcome media storm that was kept alive by all the Internet attention. Right. Um, other than that, there were a lot of people in the Bocchetti area falsely accused, you know, like you see in all these internet uh, cases, uh, which only added to the unrest and, let's say, the unwillingness of people to co cooperate with the official searches. So in that sense, it did imp impede the, the investigation because uh, we heard later from people over there um, after, the, after the remains were found and the whole public, public opinion uh, swung towards uh, murder and all kinds of local people were uh, implicated. Uh, everybody basically shut up. Right. So I mean, there, there was this real thing. And how was the how was the backpack explained to be where it was found? What didn't they find also that the cell phones had been pinging um, cell towers? I guess that's two questions. <laughs> the backpack, uh, well, the, the, there's an explanation for the backpack uh, to be found uh, there because uh, the, the place or the, the spot where it was found is obviously not the spot where the girls ended up. Um, there were flash floods. There was heavy rain on the June 11th day it was found. And uh, there were flash floods. And so uh, our guess is that it was on one of the rocks uh, near the banks of the river and just washed away by the river and ended up, uh, this was in the summer, you know, the river would bend there a little bit and it ended up uh, in the in this corner where this big rock is there and um, and it stayed there. And I guess if, if Irma wasn't there, wouldn't have been there that particular day, it wouldn't have been found at all. Next flash floods, it would have gone further and who says where it would end up? Right. Yeah, it was it wasn't such an illogical place at all if you know the area a bit because it was downstream from, let's say, the Mirador, the peak where they uh, uh, they ended their hike. Um, so if you f if you fall in one of the rivers uh, on that hike, after you uh, uh, start descending from uh, from the Mirador, then you automatically end up somewhere downstream in the area where the backpack was found. So um, I know a lot of lot of people online made a big thing about. Uh, the, the, the place where the backpack was found sort of proved that foul play was involved and somebody placed the backpack over there, but uh, throw something in a river in that area and it automatically ends up there. Right. And I, I've, I've worked in the Sierra Nevadas and when people get lost in the, the, the rushing rivers right there at the beginning of winter, they not, they're not found till spring. So yeah. like you, you just don't find them until later. They're really not, uh, if they get caught thrown in some of these rushing rivers, there's a lot of movement. They're usually found miles downstream too. So there's a lot there. What tell me about the cell phones though? I mean, one of the other haunting elements of this case is somebody's trying to make calls, right? Yeah, they tried to call. Um, uh, the last picture taken on that April 1st was at uh, a couple of minutes before two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, next thing, uh, uh, two hours and three quarters of an hour later, um, 
the, the Dutch emergency number is called by uh, Chris Kramers. And I think uh, nine minutes later, uh, again, by Lisanne Frome, uh, they both didn't have any connection. And uh, there's, there's no cell phone connection there in the, in the jungle. There's, there's just, just little tiny spots up on the mountain where the indigenous village, uh, villages, and there you can, uh, there you have connection, but that's the only spot. There's nothing there. So, and the next morning, uh, around uh, eight, the call started again to the emergency number, first Dutch, but on day three, they start to phone the Panamanian emergency number, which is uh, a different number, it's 911. Uh, total, they call seven times, and then it stops at all. Right. So, I mean, it just adds to the mystery. And then it's all, this is interpreted as all um, foul play, right? So they're trying, they're abducted, trying to get out or something like that. So there, that's the whole kind of uh, turn, the, the crux of this whole case is how people are interpreting the evidence as it flows in, right? Yeah, we, we, we make, a, uh, we, we reconstruct the whole timeline in the book, uh, you know, um, weighing the, all the different theories that are about the thing is, the uh, the moment when the first uh, uh, 911 call starts, or 112 in this case, they're basically in the middle of nowhere. If you if you track if you track their uh, progress and where they could have been at that time, they're somewhere they're about an hour and a half from the river. Um, so it's spe speculation time. What happened? What caused them to call uh, 911 uh, a few times and then? which is the most mysterious thing of all, uh, they both shut off their phone uh, at the same time before dark. And then they started, they started again the next morning. Um, so, so some say you can only explain it um, because they were uh, attacked or chased um, and then called 911 because they were attacked. While, of course, there, there are plenty of reasons uh, why they could have made that call, those calls. Right, and you have tons of pictures and graphs and maps in the book, so you've really done your homework on this whole case. Um, we're at about 35 minutes. How do you guys want to kind of wrap up? Do you, each one of you want to kind of be a concluding statement, and then can you explain where the best place is to get the book, Lost in the Jungle? Yeah, well, uh, for me, uh, this whole, uh, it took us 20 months, this whole search, and uh, we both started um, uh, with an open vision. We never uh, said, okay, it's this or that. We just said, okay, well, let's see what it is. And um, at one point we said, okay, unless we get the police files, we don't know nothing at all. We know nothing more than any web sleuths or anyone. It's, it's just... Uh, then the... So when I spoke to the Saida, she, in, in, within five minutes, she said, you can have all the police files. And uh, this was an eye-opener for us. Um, Jürgen translated all the files from uh, Spanish to Dutch, which was a pretty, pretty, it was a very, very, very hard job. And uh, I start writing uh, the first chapters uh, of this book. Um, I'm, I'm glad we did this because um, in my opinion, it, it, was, it's wor it was worth all the effort. It was worth the 20 months of search. It was worth all the, the, the web sleuths who fell over us, who, who, who also uh, uh, get, send it emails to us, to me, uh, at least. I was the one uh, receiving all the emails. But, um, but it was worth it. And I'm glad that, we, uh, that, that there's some sort of closure uh, we could right. have given. Um, 
given a, given the family. And Jurgen, how what are your thoughts? Well, the, for me, the thing is, there's a lot of misinformation floating around about this case. There are a lot of wrong and a lot of very hurtful uh, um, theories about uh, implicating family, implicating people in Bokati. And the thing we did is, uh, I think we wrote the first comprehensive overview, uh, objective overview of all the facts supported by the official police files. So we could eliminate most of the nonsense floating around and arrive at some sort of objective conclusion of what happened, which is, I think, the closest anybody is ever going to get. That's this case, great. And again, your website is www.lostinthejungle-thebook.com, correct? Yes. And so people can see there. And are you, are you able to be contacted through that website? Yes, there's an email address uh, somewhere on the website. Yes, we, are, we can be contacted. There. Oh, you can be contacted there. Again, it's www.lostinthejungle-thebook.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, really fascinating book, really supremely, really well researched, all the information on there. Highly recommend people check this out. Again, the full title is Lost in the Jungle, The Mysterious Disappearance of Two Dutch Girls in the Panamanian Jungle, published July 7th, 2021 by Maria West and Jürgen Snorren. Jürgen and Maria, thank you so much. Yes, it's available on Amazon. So. And on Amazon, too. Thank you. Thank you for yes. adding that. Okay, stay there. Stay there.